Hello and welcome to the All About Feeling Good podcast. My name is Richard Arsenault and I'll be your host. Today I'm here with Bridget Bro. How's it going? Good, and yourself? Oh, pretty good. Um, so let's start by letting you give us a quick introduction. Okay, well thanks Richard. Thanks for having me today. Um, as you said, my name is I'm, uh, you know, my age, well, let's see, I'm old enough to have lived on a very different, uh, different environment, uh, but I'm still young enough to, uh, to have the energy of the drop to do something about, you know, the changes that I've seen in my lifetime. I'm 47 years old. I have two wonderful sons. Colton is 22 years old. He's a race car mechanic. And Luke is 21. And he is preparing to join the armed forces. Nice. And uh, I guess as um yeah, as a mom, one of the things I've always taught my kids is to you know really um have a passionate life. You know what what do you enjoy? And uh, you know Colton, all those Tonka trucks and Hot Wheels cars that I bought him paid off. And Luke tells mom, you love animals. You want to help animals. Well, you know I want to help people. And uh, so I'm very proud. Nice. I was born in Montreal. Yeah, I was born in Montreal, but I grew up in uh, Chediac, New Brunswick. I don't know if you know where that is. Yeah, yeah, I've been there. Yeah, so that's my hometown. Um, although I was born in timer, that's where my parents are from. Um, I'm very much Acadian with a little bit of um, native and Scottish background, and that actually explains a lot. I just recently found out that I had some Scottish in me, so it's very interesting. No, oh, cool. Yeah, you know, growing up, uh, very much small town, beach bomb. I grew up a bountiful ocean, um, long, lazy days at the beach, boating with my dad, and the long winter months, you know, skating, skidooing, skiing, very normal, small, quiet, peaceful life. And, um, you know, in those days when you lived in a small town, you just dreamt of, you know, oh, when I grew up, I'm going to move to Toronto, and that's what I did. <laughs> so the dream here. Years later, I'm still here. And, uh, but all my family is still back home, and uh, I love coming home. There's just there's nothing like, uh, like being, you know, by the ocean. And, uh, yeah, so here I am now in Toronto with, uh, with my family and my dogs and my rabbits. And talking to you. <laughs> cool, cool. You got some rabbits there at home? Yes, yep. Cool. All, all rescues. Yeah, nice, nice. Um, yeah. Awesome. So let's get right into it. Uh, when did you adopt a plant-based lifestyle? You know, for me it was like a lot of people. It has uh, a different story. Their journey was different. For me, it happened pretty quick. Back in 2014, I, um, I joined the world of satellite TV. I'd gone from just cable to, you know, hundreds of channels on satellite TV, and I caught kind of a whale wars. I had heard about it, didn't really understand what I was watching, and um, but I was intrigued by, you know, what I know now. I was watching Captain Hammerstad and all these young uh, crew members on this ship um, where they had placed themselves between a Japanese whaling uh, vessel and a review refueling tank and I didn't understand what I was watching but I was intrigued I went on the Whale Wars website which brought me to see 
shepherd. And then I started reading about words like they had, you know, their ships were vegan, and I didn't really fully understand, but I knew I loved the ocean, and people were killing whales, and I was just like, oh my god. And I really connected with their mission to save the ocean. And then during that time, you know, summer 2014, a friend of mine had shared on Facebook a post about cowspiracy. And I love cows, and so there was a cute picture of a cow, and the word cow caught my, my attention. And I thought, huh, what's this? the link? And, you know, terms like ocean dead zones and, and climate change, and this was all new to me, and agricultural farming, and, and didn't really understand everything I was reading. When I was reading the facts, even before I watched the documentary, when I was reading the facts on the conspiracy movie website, when I read that, 52 billion land animals were killed every year for food. Mm-hmm. 52 billion. That number floored me. I always knew a cat died for my big red meat eater and bacon. I mean, mm, bacon, right? But that number just stuck with me. And then, um, you know, with Facebook, algorithms, once you, you know, click on something, certain things pop up on your news feed and then fall came of that year 2014 and I bought a pair of cashmere gloves and I remember telling my coworker, I said hey look at these cute cashmere gloves I bought them on sale oh my god I love them I've never owned anything cashmere before you know because everything's so expensive and she said to me she was Bridget do you know where cashmere comes from and I was like mm, no I looked it up, and what I saw, I threw them in the garbage right away. And, you know, I, I started just sort of looking up a little more about, you know, um, the realities of, you know, cattle uh, for food, and it was really hard. The videos and everything I was watching were really, really gruesome and difficult for me to, to really comprehend and process, and on October 5th, I just, that's it. October 5th, 2014, I just stopped eating meat. Cold turkey. Yeah. <laughs> Funny, right? And, and that was it. But, you know, I, um, and it was a very emotional journey for me, I think, like a lot of people. But, um, of course, I needed my protein. So I was eating a lot of dairy and a lot of yogurt. But I lost a lot of weight. And I wasn't big to start with, but I dropped, you know, I dressed up pretty quickly. But I was still preparing meat for my kids, my family. Mm-hmm. And it was very, I was very emotional, but I'll tell you something. Physically, I felt great, but I hadn't made, you know, emotionally was difficult, but I was feeling really, really, really good physically. And then probably about a year in when I started learning more about how easy it is to, you know, to adapt to, uh, you know, just cut dairy and eggs out of my diet. It just, um, it happened pretty easily. It just sort of, um, yeah, and then that just transitioned to, um, you know, I don't wear animal products anymore. I don't wear leather shoes or wool or, or anything like that. And uh, so, yeah, it happened. I happened pretty quickly. Nice, nice. Yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Um, what made you go plant-based, really, and were there any doubts? You know what? Never. Never. I know again for the rest of my life I know that that is a million percent absolute and uh, you know I'm almost five years in now you know being vegetarian four years adapting to you know 
I really use plant because, you know, I really hesitate to use for vegan because vegan really is a lifestyle where I think that people who may not be animal rights activists can more relate to a term like plant-based, you know, or they might still want to wear their leather shoes or they don't necessarily, you know, buy products, but what I choose to impact people around who I call my target audience, those are my family, friends, my coworkers. Um, I just sort of adapt to my environment to, you know, to my environment to come around when I want to spread the message mm-hmm. of, you know, eating based. And, but honestly, for me, what made it, what made me go plant-based is that number 52 billion. Yeah. And then further to I started learning about, you know, um, overfishing and illegal, un- uh, unregulated and unreported fishing, and that we actually take out, I think it's 2.3 trillion ocean animals every year. I mean, these numbers are not yeah. sustainable. And, uh, you know, yesterday I went to, I supported the uh, the youth um, strike for climate change at Clean Spark in Toronto. And it was just really interesting because they had a politician there and she was speaking and, you know, they're talking about pipelines and uh, public transit, but there was no talk about um, the impact of, you know, um, animal agriculture on the planet. And that is the single biggest pollutant on this planet. Yeah. So that was interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that number is uh, <laughs> when you hear about it and then you start learning more into it and you see everything else that is going on and you know it just opens up a whole new world and it's just like hard to get away from and you know you live what's that you're in pei right yes yeah yeah and so i mean you understand you're right by the ocean and you know when i was a little girl and there was life everywhere in the ocean and now when i go home um it just breaks my heart because all I see is a dead ocean. There's nothing. And when I was, you know, again, I go back to when I was a little girl, I was low. We would go clam digging, you know, with a shovel and a pail. And that was dinner. And that was, you know, clams and crackers and Pepsi. And, and that was just amazing. And now there's just, there's nothing. There's, you know, large sections cornered off, you know, things polluted, you know. Yeah. No, no. And you can't eat it, and it's it's really scary. And I feel that my children have never they've never known that I knew it, mm-hmm. and my but they never will know it the way that I knew it. And we're at a critical point now where we have to change, and things are changing. And when things like climate change and veganism and plant based is becoming mainstream, those are all really. Uh, positive reinforcements that everything whether you're an activist or not but time for change because they have to change and I recently realized that I'm a very compassionate person and I felt as though my compassion depressed me but I realize now that compassion doesn't have to be depressing and I see a dog on the sofa there one of my dogs is a rescue from Thailand is a rescue from the dog meat trick and so every day I realize that I don't want to live with a pain knowing what she, you know, survived, but with the love of having her in my life and the love that she gives me back. Mm-hmm. And so important, you know, I mean, you talk about the uh, the Feeling Good podcast, and I've transitioned now to my, you know, to spread the word of plant-based. And you have to, 
inspire people around you and not put them down because of their choices, but urge them. I buy cookbooks for people all the time, um, books like The China Study. I, I bought I bought that book for a friend of mine. He's a, a cardiac surgeon. All of his patients are meat eaters. Yeah. And uh, he, he's gone, you know, he's adapting a vegan lifestyle or plant-based lifestyle, I should say, because of that book. And for him, it was fact-based. And, you know, he tells his patients now to, you know, he says, cut meat up your diet, eat seafood. I'm like, John, come on. Don't tell them to eat food. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, impacting someone like a cardiac surgeon who, for him, it was, it was very much fact-based. And, you know, he spoke with his peers and he did have, you know, peers who are vegetarian or vegan. And so those are all very inspiring. So not everybody goes plant-based, you know, because they're depressed because of what's happening. But... You know, when a cardiac surgeon changes his, his eating habits because of a book that I bought him that was very much, I connected with him through facts. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's, oh, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. That's such a good idea. Like, I have a couple books here from um, uh, Raw Food Romance. I don't know if you know her. She, she does raw foods and stuff. And she has ebooks and uh, f physical books and stuff like that. She does a bunch of different things online, and and uh, yeah, I have a couple books, and I want to give them out to a few people that that would I know would be interested in it. And that's such a good idea. Now I want to go buy more books and like you know hand them out, and especially to a doctor like that because that's a, such a good idea. Because you know if he yeah. takes into it and starts looking into it, and then. You know, it, it, he can actually spread the message even more through his patients and, and everything else. So, yeah, it's, exactly. it's, a, it's a really yeah, good I, Yeah, I said, John, have you ever been on a vegan? He goes, nope. <laughs> <laughs> so vegans don't come in with, you know, clogged arteries. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> There's no vegans at the hospitals unless they're, they've broken Not a bone or something. <laughs> Yeah, I know from heart disease, so that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, totally. Awesome, awesome. That's good stuff. Yeah, so um, did you initially go plant-based for health, environment, or ethical reasons? What was the main thing for you? Completely ethical, completely. Yeah. I just, you know, awesome. I love animals so much. I just don't want to eat them anymore. I don't want to wear their skins. I don't want to, um, you know, and I'm not perfect. And I think that um, when I, you know, try to spread, spread the message of plant-based or vegan lifestyle, um, I never claim to be perfect. And mm -hmm. I think that those close to my coworkers, my friends and family really appreciate that because, um, you know, perfection alienates people, and we have to be very, very careful when we encourage plant-based living that, you know, we make people realize it's not about perfection. It really is about, you know, effort and realize how you feel. One of my best friends first went plant-based for health reasons. She's a gym rat. She's incredibly fit. She also loves animals, and she's making that compassionate con uh, connection as well. For me, it's just purely emotional, purely compassionate, and I just happen to reap the health benefits of a plant-based diet. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Nice. Mm -hmm. So, previously, what was your food style like? 
Oh my gosh, red meat, red meat, red meat all day long. I mean, steak, <laughs> bacon. Oh my god, I used to love this is. I used to love to nibble the crisp fat on pork chops. Oh yeah. I. Oh my gosh, KFC. There was if anybody around me didn't eat the skin, I would eat it. Like that was just my favorite seafood. I mean, I've eaten more lobster. Than I can even possibly imagine. Um, same thing. I mean, you know, I mean, you're a lobster. I'm sure oh, yeah. when you have the big family, there's just mountains of lobster, and a lot yeah. of people don't eat the body, legs. And I would eat my couple of full bodies, and then I would just eat everybody's, you know, <laughs> leftover. Um, yeah, I was never a big milk drinker, but yogurt every morning. That was my breakfast, you know, yeah. yogurt. And, uh, oh my gosh, I love my cheese, you know, apple and cheese. Now I have an apple and nuts. And yeah. so, um, never a good cook. Never. It's very easy to throw a T-bone on the barbecue or, you know, a burger patty on the barbecue. So never a good cook. I'm still not, but thank goodness I have, you know, a few really good cookbooks. I never thought I would say work, but I love my spice rack. I must have about 40 or 50 spices. Um, you know, when I buy a, uh, a plant-based cookbook for people, and I really do tell them, I said, you know what, it's all about the spices because the ingredients are basically the same. Yeah. And it's all about And I love, you know, it's so funny for me to say things like I cook in bulk now, and, you know, every other weekend I'll cook, you know, three, four, five different pots of whatever sauces or freeze them, and uh, I'll bring some into work, and I'll bring enough to share with a couple people, and then they'll ask for the recipe, and then they'll ask for the recipe, and they recommend the books, so I'll bring my cookbooks in, and they photocopy. So, yeah, so it's a lot of fun. Um, you know, I mentioned earlier that when I first went vegetarian, I dropped a dress size, and then when I went plant-based, I dropped another dress size. I, I went to a size 2. Now I'm 5'7", and to be a size 2, that's pretty slim. Mm-hmm. I struggled with cooking, right? I was living on salads, and I really, really didn't understand. It took me a good two, three years to, you know, find these cookbooks and, you know, acquire this collection of spices so that when I open my cookbook, and it's not like, oh, I don't know what this stupid spice is, so I can't cook that. But for me, it was very, very gradual. And now I love having friends and family over and, and cooking for them. I used to barbecue all the time for friends and family. Now I prepare these vegan meals and and they have a lot of fun and they can't believe that what they're eating is so good and they think that I'm a good cook but it's really it's just I happen to have a couple of good, uh, you know cookbooks so that is the best to cook for my meeting friends and families and they leave here full happy light and you know I have follow-up conversations with them and um, yeah it's a lot of fun and even my sons you know they are both meat eaters but they um, they love it when I cook and they realize how different they they feel, how they feel when they go out with their friends and eat chicken wings versus coming home and uh, eating these, you know, vegan wraps or whatever that I made for them. So, you yeah. know, everybody makes it one way or another and it's just important not to alienate your target audience. And our target audience are the meat eaters in our lives. And so... Um, you know, when I encourage people to try plant-based or to go plant-based, I just really, really try to do it in sort of a positive um, manner so that when they have questions, they can come back and, you know, I don't 
I don't want to alienate my target audience. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That's awesome. Sounds like you're doing mm -hmm. an amazing job in this movement. <laughs> well, you know, well, the first couple of years were tough, you know, because yeah, I was very sure. emotional. But everybody goes through their journey, you know, and get over that first year, couple of years, very difficult. But hopefully, you know, they stick through it. And, um, yeah, to, you know, um, you have to adapt how you relay the message to your audience. So, yeah. yeah. But, um, listen, I protesting and yelling and screaming and going to Marine Land and all that <laughs> fun stuff. So, <laughs> yeah, no, there's so many different ways and I mean, it's hard to know what really everything works for some people. It's just, you know, we yeah. I think we still got to work on the the major part is just being as as most positive as as we can and enlightening and just, you know, um rather than, you know, saying things that are might sound more negative to them, but to us it's like it's just like so important and you want to say these things, but sometimes it's it's how it comes out and how they they take it, right? It's you know. Uh, oh, for sure. And you know, there's um yeah, you just have to wide variety of activism, you know. I mean I know this is about feeling good, but there's a wide variety of activism and not everything you know, myself, where I'm now, my journey as an animal rights activist, I do a lot of work that people have no idea. And um, and I love being sort of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Kind of being in the background, sort of maintaining a certain level of anonymity mm -hmm. is, um, you know, is very powerful. Um, I don't know if you know this, but last summer I got escorted out of the Marine Land. Oh, and, really? Uh, yeah. So <laughs> they, uh, they had no idea who I am. Thankfully, the police officer didn't record my name on the police report. Nice. And so, but there's a lot of work. You know, I do a lot of work against the seal hunts. And mm -hmm. I don't know if they're aware. I'm not going to get into it uh, too much. But, you know, befriending, you know, sealers and retired sealers. And these are all the kind of things that I do behind the scenes that, you know, I don't post on Facebook because I learn more from them than yeah. I ever could from someone who's never killed a seal or hunted a seal, whether it was for commercials or, or survival. And so, again, we have, we all have our different ways of doing things. And sure. I know, you know, in the front of the animal rights movement, it's very... It, it's exploding, and I have a lot of friends who are out there running the pavement every day, and I support them, and I applaud them, and what they do is important as well. Totally. Awesome. So how did it affect people around you, like your friends and family? You know, in the beginning, it was hard. It was hard for them, just hard for me. Um, dating has been very difficult. I haven't dated a vegetarian or a vegan, and um, so dating, you know, meat eaters is difficult, but, you know, it's a choice that I make that, you know, I don't use the, the term respect each other's choice, I use the term accept each other's choice, mm -hmm. and, uh, but apparently that's not working out, because <laughs> <laughs> maybe someday people tell me, you know, Bridget, you need to find someone who, you know, has the same interests as you do. And, uh, and I joke and I say, well, you know, I should be the only, uh, you know, skinny, uh, hippie vegan in a relationship. But, 
But it was hard at first because they saw me cry at our table because I was so prepared meat for them. And, you know, I would prepare for them my favorites, like, um, you know, um, in the slow cooker, a roast beef and gravy, mashed potatoes. And I would do things like I would taste the gravy to make sure it was right, but then I would spit it out and rinse my mouth. And after about a year, I just couldn't do it anymore because I would literally be in the kitchen crying, preparing this, you know, their, their food, and I just couldn't anymore. And then it got to a point where I would still buy things for them, like processed foods, like chicken strips and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. and now I don't even buy it for them anymore. If they want to, you know, buy themselves meat, the barbecue is half bit is, you know, their meat can touch. The other half is for my veggies. Like no meat touches my half of the yeah. barbecue. So, you know, it's really about, you know, like I said, accepting each other's, you know, choices. But they're too lazy to cook their own meat, you know. So, <laughs> <laughs> So veggie burger is for everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. That's that works out better then. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I know. And then my family they all live out east. And, you know, they're now being honest. But you know, Bridget, when you first up on Facebook, we didn't really understand, and and you know now they have a better understanding of who I've become and why I'm the way that I am. And, um, you know, it's really, you know, they, they support my activism because they have a better understanding and my way of delivering the message has changed well. So, you know, everybody, like I said, has to experience their journey that first year, you know, um, it w- was very difficult, but you have to be open. There's so much support out there for anybody who's starting out. I would just say, you know, just keep talking, you know, mm-hmm. even if you need professional help, if you feel that no one in your family understands you. If you're not, um, if you feel that, if you feel alone, go talk to your doctor, talk to somebody. It's very, very important to talk yeah, to someone. For sure. Yeah, there's all sorts of groups nowadays and um, communities and people all over that uh, it's, you can find them and, you know, there's always somebody to chat with nowadays. It's not like, 20 years ago where it was hard enough it was hard to find one more person that was vegan or <laughs> yeah. even five years ago when I first started yeah. you, know, and, you know I have a large network of friends now where we are you know we all have the same interests and desires and but when I first started I felt alone and I think a lot of people when they first start they feel alone mm-hmm. and, yeah but you know if anybody out there is listening and you know they're new to this and they feel alone just you know know that you're not alone because there's a whole world of people yeah for sure uh yeah so i kind of skipped a question but we'll just kind of cover it again um how did you feel after going plant-based and were you affected physically mentally after making a change or including any struggles or yeah, I think for me, struggle was really because uh, I prepared me for my and then I was left for myself, you know, literally just eating salads and carrot sticks, and uh, and um, but it took a while because I'm not a natural in, in the kitchen. It took me a few years to really learn. Yeah, to uh, to cook vegan, but um, I lost a lot of now I regained some weight, so I know that. I plateaued now. I'm, you know, doing things right. And when I, when I see a lot of, you know, men and women that I grew up with, and we're all the same age, and even though we don't live in the same town anymore, I see their photos on Facebook, and I think, man, like, 
they need a bean salad. I know. <laughs> yeah. And it makes me sad because it's become such the norm now to see people who are overweight. And even if, you know, they don't do it for compassionate reasons to just realize that, you know, it, it makes me sad because I know that I'm going to these people's funeral because they are overweight and mm. I'm seriously overweight because of their diet and they, they just don't know, they're just not aware and um, you know that really makes me sad and I just hope that my kids too that they adapt more to a plant-based lifestyle long after you know I don't cook for them anymore yeah for sure yeah it is tough I mean for some people they you kind of dig yourself a bit of a hole and eventually you get so comfortable it's just a comfort thing we're we're humans we just want more comfort more comfort we don't want to get out of the comfort zone and that's where the comfort kills everything else like it kills our dreams it kills everything we do and if it's you know if we just get too comfortable we don't want to change um I mean, we end up in those situations and sometimes it just makes it harder for people to get out of it, you know? You're absolutely right. And I'll tell you, I love my comfort food. I'm so happy when I, you know, look at the ingredients on a bag of Doritos and there's no milk. <laughs> what? Why does dry products have to be in, you know, flavored peanuts or, you know, when I first went plant-based and I would eat these uh, protein bars and yeah. there was this increase whey powder and you know and then I find out well that's actually from dairy and but I love my food I love deep pickles and <laughs> you know burgers and fries and I'm very very my uh you know comfort food For and sure. I'll just show you know this is uh my favorite book here oh yeah that's a good one yeah, yeah. thug kitchen yeah yeah yeah, I love this one. I mean, one pot cooking, and again, it's all about the, uh, the spices. So, yeah, yeah, I'm very much comfort foods, and, you know, I grew up eating stews, and and so that's what I love. So I no longer put on salad and, and carrot sticks. Totally. <laughs> yeah, for anybody listening, if you love your comfort food, but you're interested <laughs> in veganism or plant-based lifestyle you gotta get thug kitchen that's a good one even the way they word things out in there holy jeez it's, it's funny you're in for a laugh you're gonna have fun and yeah. you're gonna enjoy the food because it's mostly a lot of your traditional burgers and and stuff like that right i haven't looked too much into it but i mean i know what it's about and <laughs> yeah and i'm a i'm a big you know, it's funny when, you know, people say, oh, yeah, I'm trying to cut down on carbs. I'm like, look at me. Like, carbs <laughs> is life. And, yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. Pastas and, yeah, and wraps and, and just all the really good, hearty, you know, stuff that you just can't get enough of. Yeah, for sure. Too much confusion out there. Too much confusion. People are, oh, carbs, fat, you know, <laughs> this and that. And <laughs> I know, yeah. I'm like, just give me my gluten, and uh, everybody will be happy. Yeah, yeah. Stick with plans, and you'll be you'll be fine. You'll be all right. <laughs> I think for me that a gluten-free diet would be the worst. I couldn't imagine having a gluten intolerance or even making that choice to cut gluten. Yeah. Out of my diet because, yeah, definitely I makes it so harder. Many... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Cool. So. What would you what would you say keeps you on this lifestyle? 
you know, I just, I can't imagine being able to ever physically swallow meat. Um, I just, I just can't. I can't imagine that I physically would be able to keep it down. You know, I feel amazing at my age. I'm full of energy. I put in every day. I put in 12 hour day from the time, you know, I leave the house at quarter seven in the morning. I don't get home until seven at night. I wake, get out of bed at five every morning. Um, even today I was out of bed before six on a Saturday morning. It's just amazing to have, you know, mm-hmm. to just feel great and to not feel weighed down, not feel gross. And, you know, I've talked about my, you know, my dog Cosmo from Thailand, and she is probably my biggest inspiration because I can't imagine. I mean, what's the big difference between my dog, cow, or pig? Um, I know a lot of people out there, you know, love animals. They love their dogs, love their cats. And they just haven't made that connection yet that what they're eating is just a sense that just wants to be loved just like their pets at home do. And, um, you know, I feel as though I'm just part of that global movement to make change and to encourage plant-based living. For sure. Yeah. So that's really just what keeps going. I just, the reason I went plant-based kept me up at night, but the fact that I no longer eat animals allows me to sleep at night. For sure. Awesome. How old did you say you were again? 47. 47, awesome. And you went vegan, what, about five or four or five years ago? Well, vegetarian, almost five, and vegan about four. Like, okay. vegan was kind of a, yeah. Yeah, for sure. So there you go. Even at 47 or whenever you switched, you were in your 40s, you know, life yeah. and energy is still going uphill. It, it, you know, it changed. It went, you know, from whatever it was to, to uphill. So many people out there, like, you know, they think, oh, they hit a peak age or they, they hit a certain age and everything goes downhill and you start just losing energy and whatever else. But it, it doesn't matter how old you are. And when you make the switch, you can, you know, you can benefit. That's right. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, I'm at an age now where I feel like I could start lying about my age. And I tell people, I said, <laughs> yeah, I'm 65. Everybody can say, dang, you look good for 65. <laughs> but no, it feels really good when people tell me, you know, wow, you really don't look your age. No, I, you, I was going to say, I'll be honest, you don't. I would have probably would have said maybe late 30s, if anything. Is... <laughs> yeah, no, I feel like, you know, I have to say that I'm 47 years old because you don't have to be, you know, during your 20s to, to make change in your life so that you can feel better. And just really live life to the fullest. Mm-hmm. Life is short, and it's not just in a fail while I'll do whatever I want and eat whatever I want. Like, you know, trust me for, you know, if you do have listeners who are sort of more of my generation, um, you'll never, ever regret cutting, you know, meat products or animal products out of your diet. You will feel amazing. You'll feel the change within days. And, um, you know, I think that for me, it took about a week. Like I stopped eating meat and then I ate meat and then I went back. But mm-hmm. you'll just never, ever regret it. And you'll feel you'll feel different immediately. Awesome. Awesome. Good stuff. Um, so what are your favorite meals and snacks? 
I love my Doritos. <laughs> I know we touched on some, but you know. <laughs> uh, you know, it's funny because I just, I still love my comfort foods. Yeah. Big bowl of steaming hot pasta. Um, I used to hate chickpeas, and now I could eat chickpeas by the handful. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I just soups. Oh my gosh, I love making soups and freezing them, and you know, individual portions. I just grab that in the morning, take that to work for lunch. Um, but one thing that I found is really different when you do go plant based is that you're eating constantly all day long. And you know, people come by my work, my desk at work, and I'm constantly eating something. I always have you know a big container of nuts or some fruit, and. Um, Candy, oh my gosh, I love finding candy that's accidentally vegan, like, you know, licorice or, um, yeah, yeah, I just, so I love my junk food. I really, I really am for skinny fat. <laughs> yeah, awesome, awesome. Yeah, the big one for me that I, I um, found out when I went vegan was that Oreos were vegan. You'd never think they were. <laughs> yes, oh, I know. Yes, Oreo and uh, you know veggie dogs and veggie bologna. Oh yeah. my God! I'll just grab a veggie dogs, you know, just the wieners on my way up the door. Yeah. And I need a quick snack because I'm starving. And yeah, it's, yeah, for sure. You know, I, I, I'm not preaching a healthy plant-based diet. I'm yeah. Just, um, <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Oh, that's all right. As long as it's plant based, it's it's what it's what matters the most, right? Yes. After that, well, then it depends if you want to be healthier vegan or you want to stay junk food vegan or in between, whatever yeah. you want. <laughs> yeah. No I mean, judging. Yeah, I'm definitely. Yeah, I mean, when I eat healthy, you know, plant based, I feel amazing, and when I eat veggie burgers and fries, I mean, I feel a little bit gross. Yeah. But. Uh, just enjoy it all I just enjoy that whole variety yeah for sure awesome so what tips and tricks would you have for people interested in trying a plant-based lifestyle you know I think that there are so many amazing online resources but it can get to be overwhelming um, I think probably the biggest tip that I would tell someone is you know connect with someone who's already plant-based you know um, yeah, whether it's for health reasons or compassionate reasons, I think that people will look for different uh, different resources to try plant-based living. Um, I just don't know. It really depends. But I think reach out to someone who is plant-based for, for advice and, mm -hmm. and, you know, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, mm -hmm. tons of great info out there nowadays. It's more than ever. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. So, uh, final question. Do you see a plant-based world in the future, and how do you think we can make that happen? <laughs> I'll tell you something. <laughs> it's a tough question. <laughs> no. Honestly, I mean, no. I don't see a plant-based world. Um, the only way that there would be a plant-based world is if there is a, uh, a mass depopulation of humans, and that the only humans who were left existed in a climate that allowed for plant-based living. Mm -hmm. If you've done any kind of travel outside of 
you know, I mean, look at Newfoundland. I've been to Newfoundland, and there are some really remote coastal communities who could never be, be plant-based. I've walked into some of these uh, grocery stores where I wouldn't even eat uh, the celery that they had for sale. Um, you know, where I live now, just outside of Toronto, I mean, there are massive grocery stores, and the options are endless. But the reality is, like communities, like the indigenous, you know, who live uh, far north or even in Africa. I mean, you can pick almost anywhere in the world, any country in the world. It is not possible to have a vegan plant-based world, and mm-hmm. I'm, that's probably not an answer that you're looking for. But I believe I live in a real world, and do I think that we? There's no need for animal agriculture. I, I believe that. Um, I believe that there are, for example, coastal communities uh, who rely on the ocean, you know, to provide food. Um, I think that there is just not possible. Yeah. Uh, I think, like in Toronto, where I live, there's no need to have meat in the grocery stores. Um, one of my favorite grocery stores to shop at here in Aurora is it's an Asian grocery store, and they have fish, you know, in the back, they sell all kinds of animals, you know, dead animals that I can't even look at, but they have the best produce selection, so I shop there. Mm-hmm. Um, but, sorry, no, I don't see a based future with a massive human depopulation. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, but we don't need to be killing 52 billion land animals a year or pulling out, you know, 2.3 trillion oceans out of the ocean, absolutely not. Um, yeah, totally. so I'm sorry for that. <laughs> oh, it's all good, you know. It's uh, you're the first person to to say it in that way, but that's fine. We need that's what I'm that's what I'm asking for, right? Everybody's opinion on it. But um, no, I think that for myself, I just look, and you have to because mm-hmm. you can't possibly go to an indigenous community um and you know in in the, in the far north and expect them to what are they going to eat you know they yeah, have for to sure. it, well for me to say they have to kill seals they yeah. have to you know kill these animals in order to survive so there's a very difference between killing animal for subsistence and animals for profit yeah. so um yeah those are two very different ideologies mm-hmm. and so what do you think of this? If we go down to um, eating pretty much all plant-based, and like let's say, like you said, Toronto is a big city. There's no need to be eating animals. We have all the plant-based foods we need. What if all these major places that could easily survive off um, plant-based foods, and there would be no need for killing animals? Like I, I totally agree. Like far north, there's you know limitations there and they they might need to kill these animals for to survive and all these things but if we would knock it down so that we could mostly survive just off plants in the places that we can and concentrate or focus our energy and put more money into let's say uh, big greenhouses and solar panels and using that in other places where we can grow foods because nowadays I, I feel like we have the possibility of well we do have some greenhouses now that we can almost grow almost anything in because we can control the climate and if we could do that and then supply 
more plant-based foods to these places that might not have that option it, it, as long as we would have enough resource enough energy and enough money from let's say the government and stuff if they would want to make that change <laughs> um then we could have um these options of like greenhouses because i feel like if greenhouses you can control the climate you can almost grow anything or at least um what we need to survive off of for plants and you could have these uh, in places that don't have uh, enough plant-based foods and or you could just have you'd have more of a surplus of plant-based foods in in places that you could trans then transport there maybe that would uh, help that situation I don't know uh, well you know I mean there is you know what you're saying is a hundred percent but then you get into like really sort of complex realities of transporting True. you know fresh fresh produce up you know up north or to mm -hmm. these you know remote lands. and uh, um, I think that the government definitely needs to invest as you suggest in you know greenhouses and I don't know why I'm going to the grocery store and eating uh, garlic that is imported from China why can't garlic be uh, grown yeah, here exactly uh, you know so um yeah so no i would absolutely million percent support you know more sort of uh greenhouses efforts to to grow locally and but you know in canada you can't grow you can't grow produce all year round and so we would you know we realistically we would be part of uh you know the mass human depopulation that would not be able to survive the climate that we do live you know without um you know without animals so mm -hmm. Um, but with today's technology, you know, it is doable. And I think that, um, there is an urgent and immediate need, um, to adapt to plant-based living for those of us who it is accessible to. Yeah, for sure. No need to be killing 50 billion animals for food at all. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for being part of the podcast. And uh, if, uh, yeah, if you know anybody else also that wants to take part, um, I am trying to send out messages and requests That's for fun. people to come on and just do a little interview like this and and see where it goes. Well, <laughs> well thank, yeah, thanks so much for doing this. It's really important to, to spread the message. And I just like that you're taking on kind of like you know the feel good podcast i'm sorry that you know i answered that last question the way i did but it really oh, is no, for me it's, it's my own yeah for sure and, uh, yeah so thanks again awesome cool have yourself an awesome day thanks bye richard see ya thanks for listening to the podcast stay tuned for more episodes each week and if you enjoyed it please leave a review as it will help spread the message. If you haven't already, please hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any more episodes. Till next time, have a wonderful day.